Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Now that we're well into the new year, we're going to concentrate this week and next on earning a living. And by the way, welcome to middle age can be your best age. And for some, that may be your job and career. For others, those who own or manage a business, nonprofit, or maybe a department in a larger corporation, it may be inspiring folks who report to you to maximize performance as a team while avoiding stress and burnout. And on today's program, we're going to talk about the notorious glass ceiling. And traditional use of the term glass ceiling applies to that invisible barrier that uh, uh, so much more in the past, not so much now, prevents women and minorities from advancing above a certain level within their company or organization. But take note, my guests today, leadership experts Roe and Don Polzinski, Jr., are here with two somewhat startling conclusions. Conclusion one, gentlemen, just because you're not a woman or a minority does not mean there isn't a glass ceiling over your head, an invisible barrier that is preventing you from moving up assuming greater responsibility and living the life of your dreams. And second, our personal glass ceilings have been imposed upon us not uh, mostly by our employer, but by that little voice within that constantly warns us not to exceed our self-imposed limitations. And let's face it, personal glass ceilings are anything but beneficial either for us as individuals or for our employers or the teams we uh, work with. And today, Roe and Don will suggest what you and I as individuals can do to take a hammer to our personal glass ceilings, and they'll also talk about what we as bosses, from small business owners and corporate executives on down to line managers, can and must do to help our employees crack theirs. So stay tuned. On today's program, there's something for everyone. And regular listeners may recall that Roe and Don Polzinski, Jr. were with us on our April 10, 2017 program when they encouraged all of us to take an inner selfie, a unique introspective look to help us grasp where we are today and, more importantly, our true potential and our pathway to an ideal future. And to refresh your memory, here are their bios. Roe and Don Polzinski are a happily married couple who together authored the inspirational book, Changing Your Equation, Moving Toward Your Ideal Future. And Ron Pol- uh, Roe Polzinski has always kept her mind open to possibilities, earning an MBA and launching her own consulting firm, RD Advisory Group, LLC. And Don Polzinski, Jr. personifies the phrase, a changed man, inwardly focused in his early years. He focuses now on helping others to push the envelope, clarify, and enhance their lives. And uh, hello, Roe and Don. It's indeed an honor and a privilege to have you back on Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, and thank you so much for having us back. We're thrilled to share our message again. Thank you so much. 
Well, to launch our discussion, please tell how you uh, define the term personal, or I think one place you call it individual glass ceiling. Where does it come from, and what harm does it do? It's a term that we've, we researched and talked about and discussed and researched some more. Where it stemmed from was there's a recent Gallup study that showed 67% of the American workforce are either not engaged or actively disengaged. They don't oh, wow. care about their work. <laughs> and that's so I've been there damaging. and done that. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know, and actually we all have stories yeah. on that topic. All the time we see people who are just not getting ahead, and they, it's for all sorts of different reasons, and they don't see what's holding them back. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, from an external perspective, we can see what their issue is. Maybe it's a financial problem. Maybe it's yeah. an education issue. Maybe it's a self-confidence issue. Personal brand. Personal brand issue. But it's, the funny part is they can't see it for themselves. It's yeah. like it's transparent. Yeah, and that's that, when we realized it was a glass ceiling above their heads. Yeah, and so often it may not even be related strictly to to work. It may be something that, uh, you know, we're all upset about in our personal lives or something that uh, is pretty hard to perform excellent uh, professional work if, if things are a mess at home, in other words. Exactly, and we've, we've said this time and time again. When people walk through the front door, they can't flip that switch in the morning. At 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, whenever their start time is, as much as you may try, you can't turn off home. No. Just like at 5 o'clock when you go home or whatever time you go home, it's hard to flip that switch and turn off work. Yeah, they bleed into each other. Well, no. for, a few, uh, for a few moments, let's get personal. What inspired the two of you to break through your personal glass ceilings, and did you break through together as a couple or separately at different points in time? And from your experience in cracking the uh, your glass ceiling, is it easier to try it with another person, ideally your spouse or significant other, or can you do it on your own? We don't. Pr- we we tend to say don't try to do it alone. Oh, I, I would totally agree, and I think you know having somebody else help is crucial. Now, that may be your spouse, maybe significant other, maybe a, a friend. Mentor, coach. Yes, yeah. and for me personally, uh, I've had great mentors and coaches throughout the year who have been invaluable because we're not often walking around with just one glass ceiling. Over the, over the course of time, you will face many glass ceilings in your life. <laughs> true. There isn't just one. No. You talk about a thickening uh, glass ceiling. That uh, I guess we had glass ceiling on glass ceiling or something. Sure. Absolutely. So you might have a le- one of my glass ceilings was really when I was in my 30s. Oh. I kept saying I can't get my MBA. I don't need it with my experience. I had every excuse. Yeah. And Don helped me break through. So as my spouse, we started we started to hear about different types of MBA programs, and he really encouraged me supported me and did everything possible not only to help me find the right program but to really give me the time and energy I needed to devote to it and I graduated with a perfect 4.0 oh, wow. so that was it was that was such a glass ceiling holding me back and after I graduated that's when I started the consulting company and I really elevated life and when we talked about writing changing your equation our book it's like that was another way to break through another glass ceiling so yeah, we could you know, continue when, to when get you our dreams one glass ceiling especially one that's been holding you back for years 
yeah. you're much more eager to attack the next class. You know? Absolutely. You know, it's amazing the momentum you get. Yeah. It and, truly you know, they is. They become more apparent when you address the one, the, the other glass ceilings. And, of course, your book helps people do that, too, but recognize what's out there and the reality of things. So that, uh, but that's great. That uh, Well, let's say you work as an individual contributor in a large company. You're competent in the tasks you perform and have received satisfactory performance reviews, but you've never managed other people. And uh, it's just been announced that your immediate boss is leaving, and you'd very much like to be considered for promotion to her job, but that inner voice keeps warning that you're presently uh, at your ceiling and not cut out to supervise others and assume managerial responsibilities. Any suggestions on how to expeditiously break through that personal glass ceiling so you not only can apply but also have confidence that you're fully qualified for the new position? We're both nodding. We have lots of recommendations on this one. I'm going to jump in and just go first. Uh, first, I would talk to your outgoing, that outgoing supervisor. Oh, yeah. What skills do they see? What yeah. skills could you develop more? Who could mentor you on, a, on that management level in the company? And are there any committees or special events projects that you could lead yeah. to get that experience? And I know Don's waiting to jump in with a few more ideas. Yeah. You know, going it alone is uh, the root of so many issues. I'm so strongly about having great coaches and mentors, and I would suggest to that person right away, find people who believe in you, who want to invest in you, who want to help you, and don't go it alone. Just find mm-hmm. some support and find people who support you, and they'll help you. And furthermore, you gain knowledge of the position, especially if you talk to the outgoing supervisor. Um, you know, tell, tell that person what you're looking for and, uh, and and ask for advice. And they probably, mm-hmm. uh, if they're halfway worth their salt, they want to advance the people that have been working for them, and they'd be more than happy to uh, to help you it's, and give you advice. And that would be great when you have your interview with the the hiring person. Exactly. <laughs> So so often we are our own toughest critic, and we defeat ourselves before we get turned down for that promotion. <laughs> the the biggest damage is done by our own belief system. Yeah, our our new motto is, "What's the worst can happen?" They say no. Hey, it's a learning experience. It's an opportunity yeah. to say, "All right, why did you say no? Tell me so that next time it's a yes." Yeah, that's that's so important too, and that nobody likes to do that after they lose a job, but. Uh... That's such a great idea to uh, to follow up on that. It may set you first in line for the next opening that comes mm-hmm. up. Well, in your promotion you uh, report you've developed a life's formula to help folks break through their glass ceilings and reach their ideal futures. And without going into exhaustive detail, can you please tell us a bit about what this life formula is and how it works? It it's the foundation of our book, Changing Your Equation. And basically we take the life elements, your relationships, finances, education, experience, yeah. those common factors that everybody has. Yeah. Then you add them to what we call the realities, which is really the world you live in. We were finding yeah. too many people were getting caught up in reality TV and wanting <laughs> what other people have. And that goes to our previous conversation with you about an inner selfie. Yeah. And then finally, Finally, employing those change agents of being your own entrepreneur and yeah. you know more financial work and 
branding yourself and really uh, the art of having a legacy and living that. And when you start to manage those factors, you really do start to change your equation. And life just, that momentum builds and you really make progress in areas you can't even imagine. Well, by the way, how do you define the term ideal future, and how do you and I go about determining what our ideal future would be? (laughs) You know, everyone's ideal future is unique. When you think about all your hopes, dreams, aspirations, you put that all together, that is really your ideal future. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just a... Oh, I'd like to spend the rest of my life lying on the beach at Waikiki or something like that. Not at all. Not at all. You know, it sounds good, especially in this cold, snowy <laughs> winter we're having. But in reality, most people would be bored well, we're talking and not about, fulfilled. Uh, glass ceilings. And I saw a cartoon in today's newspaper. It said the ultimate glass ceiling, and it showed people lined up uh, with St. Peter at the uh, he- gate to heaven, and there was a glass ceiling in the cloud with some other people behind it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that is something we are, we, there is a chapter in the book about having the the power of believing and having beliefs. Oh, yeah. Because that is something that might hold people yeah. back. No, I do want to expand on that. Roy, if I could just take a few seconds here yeah, sure. on, on beliefs. And I think this is such an important point. Many times a glass ceiling is yeah. simply rooted in our own belief. It's an yeah. erroneous belief so where we true. doubt ourselves. Yeah. That's and so we true. often need somebody else just to tell us that our belief, you know, we, we have an erroneous belief. Uh, as Rose said, she believed that she couldn't go back to college. I believe yeah. she could. It was yeah. a belief. Yeah. And she proved herself wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As many people will do. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's speak to those presently managing others small business owners, the corporate executives, even first-line managers. You yep. tell us increasingly that employees want to feel like their boss, you, will listen to them and treat their problems as your own. Yes. As a boss, what can you do to help crack employee glass ceilings, to help them grow in their careers, and yet uh, not really intrude in their own personal lives and offend them? I know you say it's important to understand what's going on in their lives, but uh, how do you do that? This is some of the work that I actually am currently doing with some of my clients is human resource professionals are inundated enough with the daily tasks, the laws, regulations, and rules. And then if we add more employee integration, it'll send their survey numbers down. By bringing in someone from the outside, people to do leadership trainings and positivity seminars and even – what we call dream days and we have a dream day workshop for a client next week you're it's it there's a comfort level because it's not someone internally yeah but it's helping them recognize all right if you have an issue with your finances you need to address it it can't it won't go away it's just creating that noise and clutter in your life that's holding you back. Yeah, that's such a great idea because mm-hmm. most people are uh, hesitant to talk to their immediate boss or people mm-hmm. in their chain of command about the, and that's a tired old word we don't like to use anymore, but uh, yeah. you know, you don't want to tell all your personal secrets to somebody that you work for, I don't think, but Well, uh, I, I would flip that I would flip that around, Roy. From my advice to any manager at any level yeah. is to simply show that you care. Whoever your direct yeah. reports are, 
be responsible to them, show them that you care, and yeah. that will go a long, long way. And yeah, it may if be they bringing tell you in about that a personal resource. problem, if you show them you care and, and understand yeah. it. Yes. Empathy. I, I once had a boss that uh, one of the employees wanted to uh, take a few hours off to uh, pick up his wife and the newborn baby at the hospital. And this manager said, we're right in the middle of uh, our busiest time. Can't you get somebody else to do it? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, how long did that employee last? (laughs) Yeah, and and, and we wonder why there's this this lack of employee engagement. There's all this employee disengagement. It's stories like that, that you just told that are at the root. That is a great example of not caring. Yeah. Well, you inform us that in recent years the organizational glass ceiling is getting thicker. And what is the organizational glass ceiling, and how, if at all, is it linked to employee individual glass ceilings? Is there a direct correlation between the individual and the overall organization ceiling? I'm sure there is. but uh. Absolutely, and that's what our research found. As we were using our experience and the research we were conducting, what we were seeing is all those individual glass ceilings we're adding up to the organizational glass ceiling at the whole as a whole. And that's something that people have not made that correlation yet, so we're kind of proud that we figured that one out. That you know, you're you're only as good as your best team members yeah. and even your weakest team members. Yeah. They're all part of your organization. So unless you help them all strive forward in their personal and professional goals, your organization will only go so far. Yeah, and, and you better be sincere when you say you're yeah. really interested in their personal career development and in their uh, personal Absolutely. lives as a whole, the quality of life, and not just to give lip service to it because oh, people see through are it. very good at seeing through yeah. that. <laughs> And especially the millennials. I mean, for the baby boomers and Gen Xers, we're Gen Xers. We have this whole, it's not only millennials, the next generation's Gen Z called the I generation. They see through everything, and they need a high level of engagement. What are they going to use as a generation after Z? I <laughs> well, let's talk a bit about your inspirational book, Changing Your Equation. What separates your book from all the other self-help books out there? I know there's tons of them in the in the bookstores and libraries. But... Roy, we wrote something that would not be academic or theoretical. This was a very, very practical book. Good. When you read a chapter, you can apply it immediately to your own life. And that's what we were really going for, is something that you can really read and immediately put into use in your own life and change your own equation. And I, I want to add to that. At the end of each chapter, you have uh, some personal action items. Yeah. That's, so that's, the, that's what separates it. Is one, we take a very leadership approach, so we don't usually call it a self-help book. Yeah. We call it a personal leadership book. You lead yourself, that's and we're true. here to help you. And the other thing is we do, we give personal, the, the first section has some examples, and they can be found on the website as well of tools you can use. But then in that last section, we share our own personal stories of how we've done it. And we're just two regular people. I mean, that's what we tell everybody on the time is when you hear us or see us in an interview or doing a speech, we're like this at home. (laughs) This is who we are. So we share those stories to help inspire people, and that's why we try to say that we are different than any other book out there. 
Yeah, well, where best should someone go to uh, preview and purchase your book, Changing Your Equation? What's the it's, best place? It's actually um, it's in all formats: hardcover, softcover, electronic, and audio. You can get it wow. on Audible. <laughs> so Amazon, Barnes and Noble, it's all over. If you go to our website, that website's Changing Your Equation. There's information about the book and where to find it. Okay, and uh, I also noticed that you co-authored. Um, to co-author an outstanding little uh, RD advisory group, which is your company, um, LLC White Paper, on the subject, The New Era of the Glass Ceiling. How best can a listener contact you or, or to obtain that white paper or perhaps retain RD advisory group as a consultant? Do you have a and website with that's the website, rdadvisorygroup.com. It's got a free download of the white paper there. We're also on social media. If you want to see, we just did a keynote speech on the new era of the glass ceiling. That's on our YouTube ch- channel, Rowan Don Polzinski, and it's linked to both websites. So p- find us. We're on Facebook and Twitter. and. We you know, we love to hear from people. Well, that's great. Well, in conclusion, here's a final thought for today. There is absolutely no reason why any person on the earth, including yourself, your family, your loved ones, and if you're in business or organizations, any one of your employees, who should uh, none of them should live without hope and hope for an ideal future on one's own terms and hope based upon reality accompanied by a realistic plan of action to get us to where we ideally want to go. And as one Amazon reviewer put it, this is a great book for anyone who wants to find ways to create and implement positive momentum in your personal and professional life. And if you're a leader, and in some form or another we're all leaders, aren't we, the book offers a truly great new take on personal leadership and how we can break down personal glass ceilings of ourselves and of those we, with whom we work and play. And one final thought, if you take nothing else from the Polzinski's uh, comments today, please take this thought. Whatever your age, be it 43, 55, 62, heck, 80, it's never too late to change your life for the better and to live your dreams. Now go for it. And thanks to Megan, Rowe, and Don for returning to share your powerful insights and best of success on your book and your consultations. Thank Thank you you so much, Wright. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. And let's all pray for an early spring. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Regular listeners may recall that on our August 7, 2017 program, my guest, Pastor John Stahl, challenged one aspect of the conventional Christian interpretation of the resurrection. He contends that the stone was rolled away from the entrance to the tomb, not so that the living Christ could get out, but so that you and I could get in, a sign of God's inviting us in to be part of the greatest story ever told. And today, with the Christmas holidays still fresh on our minds, I've invited Pastor John to return. This time he's challenging a portion of the Christmas story surrounding Christ's birth, Could it be that the three wise men shouldn't be in the Christmas nativity scenes? Well, Pastor John is here to explain why they shouldn't and also to talk about the Christmas holiday and what it really means. And to refresh your memory, John Stahl is both a successful business owner and pastor. He's author of the inspirational devotional book, as he calls it, titled Just Jesus Then, The Way to Reignite Your Spiritual Fire Within. 
and he describes himself also as a husband, dad, coach, disciple, mentor, and friend. And hello, Pastor John, and welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Well, thank you very much for having me. I very much appreciate it, Roy. Well, let's jump right in. Why shouldn't the three wise men be included in our Christmas nativity scenes? Well, if you look at the actual Christmas story uh, as it's as it's shared in the Bible, the the actual kings would have been anywhere from probably 1,500 to 2,000 miles away. They could possibly be even further away. Yeah. And so the star that was in the sky, it says yeah. that the, the wise men, the magi, came from the east. The star that was in the sky, they were astrologers, and they were looking for that sign because God had been silent for 400 years. Oh and so they had been looking for the, si- the sign, and when they saw that sign, they would have had to plan out their trip and you know, gather their servants and gather their gifts and then to start to follow that star. And so and they didn't have Boeing 707 back then. No, to fly you're right. Over they to couldn't just <laughs> right, gr- jump in the RV and, you know, drive and drive there and, and you know, be there, in, you know, in a couple of days. Yeah. And so if you if you actually break it down in Matthew, they the, the wise men, they stop off to see Herod. But yeah, then there's in, in one of the verses it actually says in verse 11 of Matthew 2, verse 11, it says, On coming to the house, they saw the child was with his mother Mary, and they oh. bowed down and worshipped him. So it doesn't yeah. say that he, they came to you know, uh, the manger or the stable or yeah. you know, whatever depiction you want to see. It says they actually came to the house. And so that night when the shepherds came, they would have been in – you know, in, in this area, which would have been behind the end and w- really wasn't even the, the stable that we would even see. It would be more caved or carved out of a rock wall oh. in that area. Yeah. And they would have, you know, Jesus would have been probably anywhere from 18 months to two years old at this point and would have been growing oh, wow. up actually in this house. Oh. And so, But it's very specific on that word in the Bible. Yeah, that's true. I always wondered how they got there so fast. <laughs> Sure. Right they, after they, the birth. <laughs> well, and and here's the amazing thing is that think about that star that would have been there that yeah. entire time guiding them. Yeah. And so, but it's 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 very much like in our walk today. We look for that wise counsel, and we look for you know uh, God and to, to see God, and sometimes He's right there, and we don't even see Him. Yeah. And and I think that happens a lot of times during our Christmas season is that there's so many exa- examples that we could use of our faith and so many examples for our faith, but we don't see those signs that God puts before us. And then yeah. we get caught up in all the hustle and bustle and, and the craziness and the commotion and all the things that take place. And, and then the next thing we know, we're like, man, we've just missed the meaning of Christmas. Well, until we as believers start looking for those signs again, you know we're gonna we're gonna stay there with what the world has to offer. Well, let's turn to that most important question about the Christmas holidays. What does it truly mean? Well, you know, first off, one thing I, I think that people need to understand is that that December twenty fifth was a date that was chosen because this is one thing that people bring up in arguments all the time. Yeah. You know why December twenty fifth? And that date was chosen because. Uh, the people that were in, in charge at this time was a Roman Empire, and there was a pagan holiday that was taking place, and they the they wanted to or something like right, that, right, <laughs> right, and they wanted them to stop focusing on that winter solstice, that pagan holiday, and so they put yeah. Christmas during that day so that, that it would that people would um, focus you know on the good of the yeah. of the season, and so we have things within. 
uh, our everyday Christmas walk that that we have that example. And and let, let's look at some of those signs that we could see. Um, God gave, obviously, He gave all, and He was giving this gift to us. So yeah. we have the same example of us giving gifts. Um, yeah. A Christmas tree. I've had people say, "Well, these Christmas trees, you know, Christmas trees are a bad thing, and you know, you, you worship the tree." Well, we don't worship the tree. The focus on it is the green of the tree, which represents eternity. That's why, for us personally, for our family, we put ornaments up that our kids have made. You know, oh. and it's they're not great ornaments, and they didn't cost anything. You know, that they made them year by year. Some of them have their little pictures on from when they were younger. But we see those pictures, and we think, see the things that they've made, and then we put that to the backdrop of the tree, which is yeah. us seeing our kids on the backdrop of eternity. Oh, and yeah. so um, a wreath is another perfect example where you could focus, again, on the reason for the season, where it's it's in a circle. And a lot of times it's with small pine um, branches and things like that when they're made, once again, represent an eternity. But it's in a circle, which has no beginning and no end. And once again, representing that eternity for us. So it, when God gave, he gave us that gift. And yeah. each Christmas we have these gifts that we give um, and hopefully in, in, in expecting nothing in return. And we have eternity, which is a reminder through the greenness of that tree, which is why, once again, we use pine trees. Yeah. And then once again, with our wreath, you know, it's a circle. There's no beginning and there's no end. Yeah. You know, which I use in weddings when I share about the ring that people, you know, put on one another's finger. Yeah. And so there, there's all kinds of signs, and the reason, you know, is is out there, but sometimes we miss it. And, and Roy, and, and here's, I'll give you, I'll give you another great example. Yeah. It's amazing that every December, giving goes up in churches yeah. across all over the place. People yeah. people give, and we have to remember that during the season that God expected us to give to the poor. And if we're able to give gifts and to share gifts, when God sent his son Jesus, he didn't send his son Jesus for the chosen one. He sent that yeah. gift for everyone. I think and so that's there's something great. when in... parents encourage their children to give gifts to the poor, to other children that are less fortunate, you know, rather than just sitting around waiting for Santa Claus to bring them all the goodies. I think that that's really an important message for the kids. Well, and then as you said it too, is, is that the parents teach us to their kids then that yeah. they should be looking for that and they should be yeah. taking part in that. And yeah. and it's exciting for them and, and, it, and it does allow them enough time to kind of sit back and hopefully really count those blessings and um, to understand that, you know, it's it's better to give than to receive. So it's a great lesson for all of us to teach our kids. Well, here's another question. How best can we make certain that the message of Christmas – the message of universal peace and love and giving is not totally forgotten amidst the January hustle and, in fact, remains with us and our loved ones all year long. What can we do to keep that uh, spirit present once the trees and the wreath are taken down? Well, I just shared this with my church um, in December, and we did a message on giving, and we weren't doing it so that people would give more to the church, but we shared that when just as we teach our kids during the Christmas season, now look for that opportunity for someone that you can bless. Look for that opportunity yeah. for someone that you can give to. It's it's really the exact reason I wrote the book that I wrote is because I'm trying to help people, you know, Monday through Saturday yeah. to have that the eyes 
in the ears of God. And so when you teach your kids to give, don't just teach them to give and to look for those opportunities in Christmas. And it's the same for God to us is that when we give, you know, we all have extras. We can give those extras to make those extras help someone's day. Um, We can give of our blessings and recognize that God has given us these blessings and to, and then to share those blessings with others. And then what happens through those those times is that it becomes second nature for us. And we start yeah, to, we get to the point where we're giving of second nature. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if it's Super Bowl Sunday. It doesn't matter if it's Arbor Day. It doesn't matter if it's April Fool's Day or July 4th, uh, Thanksgiving, whatever it might be, all the way through Christmas. Yeah. It becomes a part of who we are in God's eyes, and then people get to see God through us in their eyes. Yeah, that's so true. Well, and that, before we go, I want to remind you uh, of Pastor John's enlightening and inspiring book. Uh, in your book's title, you take the name Jesus from a noun to a verb. What do you mean when you tell us to Jesus someone? The whole idea behind it is to, instead of just say, I love you, because we want to tell people that we love them, obviously. But yeah. Jesus said to, to go and love others as I have loved you. Yeah. And so... We're loving others with Jesus in mind. We're loving others by putting Jesus first. We're, we're looking for areas to, just as we talked about, to give of our extras or to give of our blessings. And so it becomes second nature to love others because Jesus loved us and to love others how Jesus loved us. And the thing about it is, regardless of how people react, if they're, ag- if they're angry, if they're upset or whatever it might be, to, to literally to kill them with kindness, so to speak, but to do it in such a way that, you know, isn't going to cause conflict or confrontation, but to just care for them and, once again, expect nothing in return. Yeah. Well, your book is comprised of a series of daily devotionals. Can you give us uh, the difference between a devotional and a devotional? Well, <laughs> and uh, with the, also, can you ahead, give sorry. us maybe an example of uh, one of your uh, daily devotionals? Sure. Uh, the the devotional side of it is when I read a devotional, I'll sit down and I'll read that devotional. There's a lot of really good devotionals out there. It could be the yeah. da- you know Daily Bread or things like that. And you take it and you read it and you kind of internalize it. With the yeah. devotional, the idea behind it is that you're doing. So yeah. James one twenty two says to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. Yeah. And so we want to take that step of faith and to care for people in small moments and and. What we realize is when we do that, there's a transformation that takes place within each one of us from the inside out. So, uh, as an example, from from the and, and, and we're living our faith. That's that's obviously the, the message behind it. Yeah. The there, as an example, um, there's a, a I had a neighbor and his name was John also, and we were part of a of a program called Evangelism Explosion. And these people were coming over to my house, and I was going to train them in the right way and teach them all the right things to do. And yeah. they wanted to go out and make a visitation, which churches actually did at one point yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> and so the the person that we were going to visit just happened to be the guy that lived across the road, oh. and I didn't want to go because I was watching a a football game. And so I was going to train them and it was a playoff game. So it was a really good game. Um, and when I, when I, when they came in, they were like, listen, we just got done with all this training. Let's at least go across the road and see if he's home at least. And and I relented because I didn't want to do that. I wanted to watch the game and and to teach them my way. So eventually we walked across the road and we knocked on the door, not once, not twice, but then one of the, the people that was with me actually reached for and really banged on the door and finally the door opened and my neighbor john was in there and so 
he invited us in and we talked for a little bit and his house was just, he was almost kind of like a hoarder. Um, yeah. And the reason he was a hoarder is because he was constantly working. And so he picked stuff up and moved stuff all around. And we sat down with him and we met a man who was just completely broken. Um, his wife was about to leave him. His, uh, his kids, one of them was in uh, juvenile detention. Uh, his 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 wife had already taken their daughter somewhere he didn't know, and their other son he didn't even know where he was at. And so, the amazing thing was, this was a husband and wife that had gone to the exact same church that I went to, but it was such a big church because it was a mega church, which was the Akron Baptist Temple. It was so big that they worked in two different departments, and I had never even seen them. Hmm. And so. He hadn't heard a message in years and years and years, and the message that he missed was how much God loved him, was the fact that we all make mistakes, was the fact that God loves him so much that he sent us on Jesus for him, and that it just takes a step of faith of us saying, God, I accept that gift that you you gave uh, through your son Jesus. And that day he accepted Christ. And and this is a guy, once again, he'd been going to church for decades and decades, 30-plus years, and he never heard the message. But here was the amazing thing. Boy, we got done and we were praying and, and all that stuff. I was telling you all that clutter. Yeah. In the midst of that, he had put his keys and stuff that he had had down in his hand on the, one of the tables and had moved everything out so that people could sit down. Hmm. And after we got done praying, I looked down, and what was there were a set of car keys, a, a roll of duct tape, and a hose. And the reason it had taken him so long to answer the door that day, because he was sure no one else had cared and, and no one even knew who he was, yeah. was the fact that he was actually going out the back door to end his life. Oh, wow. And it took, it wasn't me, it took three people who pushed me and said, John, we need to go visit that neighbor of yours. And so it was just taking the action of walking across the road. And here's the thing, I would never know. I would have never known that, that he was doing, obviously, that it was at that time and you know all those things. But God stepped in right when it was time for God to step in, and it was up to is up to us to take those small steps that God, you know, prompts us to do through his Holy Spirit. And how much more important was that than that football game you missed? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you um, who played that day. I, I mean, I don't even know. And I don't know who won the Super Bowl that year, and I don't know anything about yeah. it. And I know that I saw John every single week after that in church, and he was listening to message after message after message, oh, and wonderful. God had really well, where, turned his where life Where best should we go to preview and purchase your book, Just Jesus, then? What's the best place to get it? Uh, the best place is you can go to Amazon.com, um, and there's a bunch of reviews out there, so you're, you can read the reviews that way. You you know, it's not just me telling you. Yeah. Uh, you can read the view, reviews that are out there on it, and that's yeah, probably the best place to go and get it. Um, uh, you Pocket also have a website they can go to, right? Because I, I visited that, I know. Correct. It's, it's called pocket full of faith, and a, a pocket full is two dif- two different words. So full is with two L. So pocketfulloffaith.com as well, and they can actually watch a small video, and, and they can watch the video of, of the house that I lived in and the house that I walked across the road to see oh, wow. this uh, to see John. I mean, it's it actually cause it, because it's very. I, I, there's not many days that don't go by that I don't think about that day. So. Well, that's a wonderful story. No, I, I go to that website just to see that, but that, not to mention all the other benefits you offer there. Well, to conclude, we're only a few weeks past Christmas and just yeah, it's, beginning it's, the new year. Are you and your loved ones still in the Christmas spirit? 
And once uh, we're into the January routine and the daily pressures of earning a living, it's all too easy to forget the true meaning of Christmas, God's gift to humanity of his own son, who after a short life of loving, healing, and service to others would die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And here's the only question that really matters. Can you and I find a way to Jesus someone today? And Pastor John certainly gave a wonderful lesson of that and and the other John across the street. And perhaps for you it's just a smile, lending a helping hand, or maybe just listening to someone else's concerns and responding in kindness. And as one Amazon reviewer puts it, John Stahl's remarkable work is a legacy of time and love. His daily devotionals are compelling and embody the principles and guidance of a loving Christ-filled life. And I highly recommend it to any believer who wants to move beyond belief to action. And John explained sometimes you can sit in church every Sunday, but then uh, forget all about what the message really meant through the other six days of the week. So who do you plan to Jesus today? And thanks a million, Pastor John Stahl, for returning, and best of success on your book, and a belated Happy New Year. Thank you very much, Roy. I appreciate you having me, and and Happy New Year to you and and all of your listeners as well. And that's our program for today. Let's all remember that God's Christmas message of peace and love and grace is meant for all 365 days a year, not just the single day of Christmas. Goodbye for now. From Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 